Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. Well, I'm so glad that you are joining us. We are in part three of our series to the book of Romans. Have y'all been enjoying this series to the book of Romans? I hope you're learning a lot. It's written by Paul to a church in Rome to bring clarity in the midst of chaos. And so Paul writes this letter. Many people call it the gospel according to Paul because what it does is it takes the life of Jesus and brings about a lot of the theological ramifications. It's a book, 16 chapters, packed full of doctrine. And people have said, they're like, Aaron, how are you bringing your church to the book of Romans? That's like real intense. And I'm going, well, my church is intense. We love God's word. So um, I don't know about you, but I'm getting a lot out of it studying and I hope it's helping you a lot. What I've been doing is giving you some declarations, some I am statements, and I've got 12 of them through this whole series. We've already been through two. We'll introduce our third one. The first one is that I am unashamed of the gospel. We talked about what the gospel is in week one. If you missed any of them, check it out on YouTube. And then uh, last week, I talked about how the fact that I am done with excuses because of the, the wrath of God and the creation of God and the sacrifice of Jesus. We are done with excuses. We're gonna live how God's called us to live. And I couldn't be more pumped about today's statement. So take out those notes, take out your Bible. We're going to pick up where we left off in Romans chapter three. We're going to pick up in verse 25 and it says, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. I preached on that last week, talked about how he was the, uh, the, the, the payment for our sins through the shedding of his blood to be received by what? All right, you're gonna have to help me out today, church. To be received by what? To be received by faith. And it says it like this, He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. Verse 26, he did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have what? Faith in Jesus. All right, you're going to pick up on a central theme here. If you have your Bibles, flip that one page, Romans chapter 1. We read this in week one. I want you to pick up on verse 17. For in the gospel, gospel means simply good news. It's the message of Christianity. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by, all right, you're still with me, from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by Oh, you got it. You got it. If you're taking notes, I want you to write it down. Here's your third I am statement. And it's simply this, is I am living by faith. I am living by faith. When people ask, what is Christianity all about? You're going to be able to walk in some boldness today to say, I live by faith. I don't go by what I see. I don't go by what I feel. I don't go by what culture says. I'm going to live a life by faith. Faith. When I think of faith, I think of passwords. Now, maybe you've had the same frustration I've had because if I have 20 different accounts I got to log into, how many know you have to have 20 different passwords to get to them? For some reason, somebody hasn't been smart enough to come up with a plan, which maybe it's one of you guys, and you'll become a billionaire and you, you owe me a lot of credit because of it, is to come up with a plan to get everybody in the same room. Like every, every social media group, every bank, every, every email account, bring them all in the same room and say, hey, let's kind of come up with a central standard for all passwords. 
Like, let's let it come all the same length, all the same thing. So everybody goes from 80 different passwords to one. Wouldn't that be the best idea ever? I, I, I thought about the, the fact that, you know, some passwords are uppercase and then some are lowercase and some have to have a special character on the end. But some, that special character can't be the same special character as another one of your accounts. And some have to have a number on it. When I was getting my doctorate, true story, at the university I was getting my doctorate at, they had to, you had to create a password. So I was like, I'll just create a password. So I tr kept trying to create a password and it wouldn't accept my new password over and over and over again. So finally I looked at the fine print and they said, oh, your password has to be 25 characters. 25 characters. I don't have 20, I don't have anything in my life that's that long of a name, like, or something like all my kids combined. I don't even know if that's that, even though that wouldn't be my password, just in try in case you want to hack my account. Uh, I saw some memes. We've been doing memes this whole series. I think it's pretty funny. This one reminds me a lot of my life. I'm sure you can relate. You enter the password. It's an incorrect password. Incorrect password. Incorrect password. You reset the password. New password cannot be your old password. Come on. How many have had that happen sometimes? It's just life, isn't it? But this one, parents, this is good advice for you right here. Ready? It says, you can name her whatever you like, but be sure it's something you will remember. You will be using it as a security question answer for the rest of your life. I wish I would have known that when my first dog was named, right? Here, here, here's the last one. I thought this one was so funny. It says, I changed all my passwords to incorrect. So whenever I forget it, uh, it'll, teach me, it'll tell me your password is incorrect. Come on, that man's thinking right there. That's funny right there. This idea where there's so many passwords to get into so many different accounts, Paul addresses this. When it comes to all of the things of God, he says, listen, it's going to be one central thing in your life that gives you connection, access to everything that God wants. You can write it down in your notes this way. Everything of significance in God's kingdom is accessed through faith. So if you want something from God in your life, if you want your marriage to be healthier, if you want your life to get more fulfilled, if you want to experience God's blessing, then you've got to understand everything is accessed through what? Through faith. And faith, faith is a big deal. It's important that you understand what faith is. Romans talks all about faith. The idea of faith, write it down in your notes, is mentioned 270 times in the book of Romans. 270 times. It's as if to say, like, this is the central theme. Everything in Christianity is about faith. So the question is, what is faith? Hebrews 11 says it this way. Now, faith is assurance of things hoped for. So there's things that you're hoping for in your life. It's the assurance of those things. The conviction of things that are not seen. So, so you, don't, you don't see it. You can't always feel it. It's not even, even what, what facts would go by, but you're able to hold on to it going, no, I trust God in this. So let me break down that definition to give you a very simple definition. Here's what faith is. Faith is belief. It's belief. It's, it's going, I'm, I'm going to believe that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust that. Here's the other word. It's, it's simply trust. It's I'm going to put my trust, I'm going to put my belief in a God that's bigger than I am, that's greater than I am, and that is in control of my life. So I'm going to challenge you on this today to live a life by faith. Here's what's important that you understand. Because faith doesn't deny facts. Because there's so many part of our world where we sit there and we go, do we look at the facts or do we look at faith? Faith does not deny facts. Faith denies that the facts that we know are the final authority. 
Come on, I'm preaching good today and I need your help today. Because so many of you go, well, that's just what's going to happen. That's the final authority. No, you remember that despite the facts, we have a greater authority, and his name is Jesus. And if God speaks, he can do the impossible, no matter how difficult it sounds and feels. So we're going to trust God in this. And by the way, faith is so important because the writer of Hebrews says it this way. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So if you want to live a life that pleases God... Then you got to lean into faith. I wrote it down this way. God is pleased when we trust him. So if you want to live a life that pleases him, learn to trust him in the good times and in the bad times. And I'm going to teach you how to do it today because you got to live a life by faith. Now, I'm going to bring this and break this down for you because in the next, like, three minutes, I'm going to give you a little church history lesson because some people love this stuff. I had so many people come up to me after the earlier services. They're like, oh, man, I was geeking out of the church history stuff. And then other people are like, can you cut that out of your message? That's so boring. So just lean into it for just a second. Let me give you a little breakdown because faith is the central part of what we do and how this thing has been built called the church. So let's go back 2,000 years, AD 33, Jesus' death, um, burial, resurrection, ascension, and then that's when Pentecost happens. Pentecost is where the church was started in the upper room. So in 11 years from now, we're going to throw a crazy, awesome 2,000-year birthday. It's going to be awesome, and you're invited to it, so go and check it out. It's going to be awesome. So uh, that was AD 33. So the church existed for about 300 years in a very gritty kind of very difficult scenario, lots of persecution. They were the underlying, I mean, they were just like trying to figure out this whole thing until a really crucial date, and it's, it's at 325, which is called the Council of Nicaea. So around 300, 300 years later, a guy by the name of the uh, Roman Emperor Constantine, his mom was a Christian, she converted, then he became a Christian, and he was the first one to like legalize Christianity. Now this is a big deal, because he ended up taking this thing and saying, no, this is okay. And they kind of now took it and put it from some such a scattered kind of group to now forming what we know of today as, as church and as our, our doctrines and our beliefs. And at the Council of Nicaea, they, they mapped out a lot of our doctrines that are crucial today. The doctrine of the Trinity, the doctrine of atonement, the doctrine of, 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 of the divinity of Christ. Some crucial things. Actually, it was right after this that they solidified the 27 books of the, the New Testament. So all of this happened about 300 years after, after Jesus. And then for about 700 years, the church thrived. Did great until um, 1054, which is about 1,000 years ago, they had the great schism, okay? Now, sometime you're going to be on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire or someplace, and they're going to say, what year did the great schism happen? And you're going to go, oh, that happened in 1054. I knew that. And they're going to go, you just want a million dollars. Well, I'm going to give the first 10% to the church, and the second 10% I'm going to give to my pastor because he helped me figure this out. That's not in the Bible. You get the idea. So they, they broke, okay? So this is the first big split between the Eastern Orthodox and the Roman Catholic Church. They, they split. And the reason they split was mostly church leadership and communion. So it was a big communion debate. So they split. So when they split, this next season for, for both of those splits was dark, very, very dark. Like, you know, you look back on your life and you're like, I have some great years and I have some years in college I don't want anybody to know about. These are the years of church history you don't want anybody to know about. And, and it's during the Middle Ages. And during the Middle Ages, this is where a lot of the Crusades happened. There's a lot of the manipulation and this, uh, a lot of the bad leadership that happened in the church. And through this, this idea of indulgences happened. Say indulgences. 
Okay, you'll, you'll, you can learn about this in church history. Indulgences were just basically this idea. The indulgence is, is listen, I've got sin, and it, it was a bishop level or above could basically say, hey, if you do something for me, your sins are wiped clean, and you're given a fresh start. So that's how they recruited for the fighting of the Crusades. So they would, they would get people, because nobody's like, hey, put me on the front line. They would go, hey, you go, you, if you go on the front line and fight, then your sins are forgiven. Some of y'all would have had to fight a lot because you got some major issues in your life. So this happened, which by the way, this is a really dirty, dark part of church history. A lot of manipulation, a lot of you do this thing for me, you build my house, you, you fight in this war, you give me money, and then hey, you're gonna, you're gonna have a, be, a better place in heaven. You're gonna be forgiven. And by the way, this is passed down to the local priest and instead of calling indulgences, they call it penance. So penance is the idea that, listen, that's where confession comes from. That's where the idea, you do this, you do enough good deeds, you, you get a place in heaven, you get forgiven. Which, by the way, it's not just in the Catholic Church, it's still everywhere. Because you ask people, you go, hey, what's going to get you into heaven? Everybody says the same thing. Well, my good outweighs my bad. I, I did some new good stuff. I, I invited some people to church one time. I, I did this thing. And because I did this, I get this. All went back to about 12 hundred uh, to the 12th century where this all started until a guy by the name of Martin Luther kind of stepped up Franciscan friar and this guy just made a decision as a priest he said he says listen this is this is this is so crazy now the reason people didn't know it was wrong is because they didn't have the bible in their language so the bible was not everywhere and so because they didn't have a bible in their language people just believed what they said so they thought okay this is okay Martin Luther finally stepped up and said this is not okay this is not okay which by the way if you want to ruin all of your European vacation, um, you go, and I love Europe. I love the cathedrals. I love the church history. I love it all until you realize a lot of it was built off the back of indulgences. And you're like, oh, it's, it got, got a little dirty past to it. So Martin Luther in, in uh, 1517, crucial date, he nails the 95 Theses to the, to the church, where basically these are, these are the, the doctrines. We got this wrong. And the central theme of all of it was this idea from the book of Romans. Romans, the book of Romans, launched what we call as the Protestant Reformation. It's a protest against the church to say, hey, I think we got this thing wrong. I think we're making it about works, but everything we read in the scripture is that faith is the access to God, not our works. And by the way, it's still a battle. That's why we're preaching this whole series on Romans. Because if you ask people, they all think it's their works that'll get them into heaven. And I'm here to be a Martin Luther to some of you and go, listen, there's not enough good you can do, enough people you can walk across the street, enough help that you can give to give, gain access to what God has for your life. It is given by faith and faith alone. Can I hear a good amen today, church? That was your five-minute history lesson. So let me tell you why faith is important. Three things, and then I think it'll be something that'll help you today. Number one is you got to understand this about faith, that faith is a gift. Faith is a gift. I don't know about y'all. I like gifts. I like gifts. I'm a gifts person. You, know, you want to make me happy, just buy me a nice little gift. Uh, don't, don't buy me a gift. But you got the idea. Um, we love gifts. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting. A gift, by definition, is that you didn't pay for it. So you didn't work for it. Like it was, if that's it, it's called wages. There's wages that you get from your job. So when you get paid, you're not going up to your boss going, oh, thank you for the gift. You work for that thing. But when it's a gift, it's given to you despite your work. So that's why my kids' Christmas presents to me are not a gift. <laughs> Come on, parents. Y'all know what I'm talking about. 
They, they sit there, they're like, oh, daddy, look what I got you. You didn't get me that. I bought it. My money. You just picked it out. And it's not what I would have picked out anyway. No, I'm just joking. I hope my kids aren't watching this today. So faith, the Bible, Paul tells us faith is a gift. Look at it, Romans chapter 12, verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Like, don't think you're a big deal. Don't think your, your stuff is going to make it, uh, like, that it's that important. He says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. But rather, he says, think of yourself with sober judgment. Walk in humility in accordance with the faith that God has. What? He's distributed to each of you. So the very faith we have that pleases God came from God. Now think about this. That's, that's bizarre because we need faith to honor God, but the faith we need to honor God comes from God. So it's like, hey, God, we want to live our life for you, but we can't live our life for you until you give us faith to live our life for you. So we have to understand it's a gift from God. Let me show you. Paul writes it to the book, to the church in Ephesus this way, chapter 2, verse 8 of Ephesians. For it is by grace you've been saved through what? All right, you're seeing the theme. The theme is all throughout the scriptures. And this is not for yourself, from yourselves. It is a gift of God. So, so God gives us this gift. He gives us faith so that we can now put us, our faith in him. So the question is, then how do we get this gift? And by the way, if your faith is low, how do you get more of this gift in your life? Well, the Bible tells us how to get it. Let me show it to you. The writer of, of uh, Paul, he writes it to the Romans and he says it this way. Faith comes from Hearing, hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Now, let me tell you what that means. Let me break it down. Every time you hear something about God, you hear the truth of God, what happens is it puts faith inside of you. That is why, by the way, if you have a friend who doesn't know God, the best place you can bring him is to church. You know why? Because they don't have faith. They're going to hear about God. Their faith is going to be deposited in them. And then from that, they're going to be able to respond with that faith to say, I'm going to take this faith and put it into God. Does that make sense? Because faith comes from hearing, which by the way, at every location, listen up. That's why it's really important what you listen to. That's why you don't listen to everything that's out there today. Why? Because our hearing dictates our life, and what you're hearing is either building fear or it's building faith. What is it in your life? So that's why sometimes you got to turn off the news, because I get around it and I listen to it, and I'm going, ooh, I feel fear building up in my life. Isn't it interesting that the week that God would give us this message, <laughs> which has been done for a couple weeks now, this message would be the week that a giant hurricane would be coming towards us. It's almost like God says, hey, hey, people, listen, have some faith to believe me for something big in your life. Like, like God wants to deposit faith in you before you go through something difficult in your life. And that's why it's important what we listen to. Write it down your notes this way. The more you hear God, the more faith is deposited in your life from God. So that's why when I'm driving, I'm listening to sermons a lot of the time. That's why I'm listening to uplifting music and worship music because I'm, I'm filling my life with faith and it's deposited in me. That's, that's why I'm in a radiant group and why you're in foundations and why you come on Sundays. It's a big deal you're here. You know what's happening while you're here? You're like a, you're like a car that's going to Wawa. You're getting filled up. Go, 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 go. You don't even know it. 
And what is it? What's happening? Your faith tank is being filled. And then you go into the world and you see obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. And you would have walked in timid and broken. But now you walk in strong and confident because you go, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I'm going to walk in faith. Because God gave it to you. It's a gift. And so many people are like, well, Aaron, I wish God would speak to me. If you ever feel like you're frustrated that God hasn't given you a word, let me just tell you this. Ready? If you're ever looking for a word from God, open this up. Because there's 727,000 of them available for you to listen to. 727,000. God has something he wants to speak over your life. You ever feel empty? You ever feel lacking? Get God's word in you because faith is a gift. Are you still with me? Say yes. All right, so we learned it's a gift. We got our first visual there. Let's do the next one because the next one is that faith is a key. It's a key. Remember, this is our password illustration. The idea is that there's one key to access all that God has for your life. So let me show it to you. We looked at it right there in Romans chapter 3. The righteousness is given through faith. So how do we get righteous? We get it through faith in Jesus Christ. To all who believe, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. Let me tell you what that means. That means it doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter how wealthy you are. Every single person is fallen and broken and in need of a savior. And here's the good news. The good news is the solution for you is the same solution to everybody. It's we're all fallen, but through faith, we can access salvation through Jesus Christ. So the solution is the same. He says it like this, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely, I'll explain what that means, by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So what do we have access to by faith? I'm going to teach you some big theological terms in the last few minutes we have. Here's the first one, is justification. All right, now that word is right there. It's, this is a big theological word, and I'm going to tell you what it means. Because when you put your faith in Jesus, when you, when you put your faith in him, Justification means this. It means this is the simplest, easiest, most memorable definition you can have. Ready? It means just as if I had never sinned. Now think about that. You come to Jesus with all your sin, all your baggage, all your problems. You come to him and then he forgives you as if you never did it in the first place. So here's how that's important. Because if you're remembering your sins, you're the only one. Because God's already forgiven them. He's already forgotten them. So if you keep calling them to mind, they're in your mind. They're not in God's mind anymore. Because it's just as if you had never sinned. So uh, when I was growing up, we had an Etch-A-Sketch. Y'all remember those things? You know, but the generation has gotten lazier. So this is all that's available now. <laughs> and, uh, and they're really difficult. Remember how hard it was to like, write a letter? And it was like, so this makes it easier for me too. So we got sin. All right, we got it. Look at that. It shows up right there. You got sin. And we've all carried it. The Bible says all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So what happens when you put your faith in Jesus? When you put your faith in Christ, and some of you are going to make that decision today. Some of you have made it years ago, and you just forgot how important it is. When you come to Jesus with your sin, he doesn't sit there and go, okay, great, I'm going to take a part of it. No, 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 justification is you come to him and he says, listen, you are forgiven and that sin is as far as the east is from the west. You are completely healed. You are completely forgiven and he remembers your sins no more. Are there any forgiven people that can give God a little bit of praise today for what he did? 
We're forgiven. That's why, and I, I don't want to give it away, that's why Paul can write, hey, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because my sin doesn't dictate who I am. I'm forgiven, I am made whole, and I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus because of what he did. You have access through faith. Through faith. Here's another one. It says like this. It's, oh, I, I missed it. No, I got it all. All right, we got it. Well, let me give you some scriptures. This is important. Verse 25, the scriptures are very important. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. Remember, we read this earlier, through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. So you get forgiveness by faith. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to the just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. So how do we receive justification through faith in Jesus? He writes it again in Galatians 2. Know that a person is not justified by the works of the law. It's not by something you do. But it is by faith in Jesus Christ. So it's not because of me. It's not because I'm your pastor and I say you're forgiven. No, it's because of what Jesus did for us. All right, here's the second one. Is that we get access to righteousness. Now, I'm not going to talk about this one a lot because this is the whole message in two weeks from now. I'm going to talk all about righteousness. But let me tell you what righteousness means. Righteousness simply means right standing before God. So me and you can be in a fight, okay? We got all mad at each other. And then I'm like, okay, I forgive you. you for, I forgive you. We're all good. But that doesn't mean we're good friends, right? So, you know, there's all those people that get in like a, a fight with their sibling or whatever, and they're like, we're fine. I'm like, well, you're not fine because you just said we're fine in a mean way. So it's like, well, you know, I don't want to invite them over to dinner. We're not hanging out. This is the difference between forgiveness and righteousness. Forgiveness means you're, you're clean, fresh start. Righteousness means now you're in a right relationship with God. Like everything is right between you and God now. And, and this is given to us because of faith. Let me show it to you. It's not because of, somebody think, okay, now I got to clean up my life to make it good between me and God. No, no, you don't have to clean up your life to make it good between you and God. You are given righteousness. Let me show it to you. Romans chapter 4. In fact, Abraham, who is our faith guy, he's the fa father of the faith, if, if Abraham was justified where it works, he had something to boast about. Like he could walk around and go, man, I'm a big deal. I'm, 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 I'm where I need to be because of my works. But it's not, not before God. What does scripture say? Abraham did what? He believed God. How did Abraham get to the place that he was at? He believed God. He believed God, and look what it says, and it was credited to, who, to him as righteousness. So because he believed God, he was in right relationship with God. Now that's important because I just said, if you want to please God, you got to trust him. Look what it says, verse 23. Now Paul takes it and applies it to us. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone. Oh, well, Aaron, who is it written for? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> but also for Radiant Church, for your life. Like, like, it was credited so you, for you, to whom God will credit righteousness. How do we get that credit of righteousness? For us who believe in him, who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. The same right relationship that Abraham had, who was called a friend of God, you can have with God, not because of your works, but because of your beliefs in him. So it's not in what you do, and let me just say it this way, it's not in your behavior, it's in your belief. So righteousness is obtained not because of something you do, but because of what he already did. 
That's good preaching today. I wrote it down this way. Our righteousness has nothing to do with how I feel. Because some of you are like, I think God's mad at me. I don't know what's going on. No, it has nothing to do with how I feel. It has everything to do with what he did. What he did. And what he did was enough and was sufficient to pay for whatever you have done. Can I hear a better amen today, church? All right, listen. And if you call right now, there's more. He gives you justification. He gives you righteousness. Here's the last one. He gives you grace. You get access to grace. Now, we've messed up this word grace because we made grace like, oh, I messed up. Give me some grace. Give me some grace. Then we uh, connect that with God, and we go, God, I messed up again. I need some more grace. And that's not what grace is. In the scriptures, grace is not like, oh, I slipped up. Help me out. Grace, write it on your notes, is an empowerment to live for God. So what did the scripture say? We're saved by grace through faith. So we, we have to have, you can't just get saved and have your life changed on your own. You have to have power through faith. So everything that God wants you to do, he gives you a grace, a power to do it. Look at Romans 5. We're almost done, I promise you. This is just too good to not pass up. I mean, to, to make sure we don't pass up. Listen, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by what? Oh, man, I, you get access by faith into his grace in which we now stand. All right, all right, let me just break it down. All right, everybody listen up to this. So here's what it means. You, get, you put your faith in Christ, you're justified, just as if you never sinned. You're forgiven. Then you put your faith in Christ, and you're righteous. You're in right standing with God. And then you go through difficult seasons, and you put your faith in God, and he gives you grace. In other words, he gives you power to go through that season. By the way, the same grace that saved you is the grace that will sustain you through every season in your life. So the grace is not just for your salvation. It's for you to be sustained no matter what you're going through. I wrote it down this way. Grace is not a pass to sin. Grace is power to live free. So sometimes I have to ask for more grace. I go, God, these people are driving me crazy. Not y'all, another campus, but you got the idea. <laughs> Give me a grace. Give me a grace for my kids. Give me a grace for my job. Give me a grace for this season. When you're, when you're struggling, you ask God for that grace. Grace gives you, I mean, faith gives you access to empowerment so God can help you live the way he's called you to live. Amen, church, you still with me? Say yes. Faith is a gift. Faith is a key, which I think I lost. There it is. There's your key. And then let me give you one more, and we'll close it out with this. Worship team can come. Faith is, is a muscle, all right? Faith is a muscle, all right? Now, this is my team. This is all they believed I could carry here. So we'll have a talk afterwards. So, but You ever had a moment? Some of y'all have had a week or two weeks or uh, two decades where you've been kind of out of the gym. You know what I'm talking about? I'm not calling anybody out, but you know who you are, right? And when you get back in the gym, it's painful, isn't it? It hurts. And it's it, like you feel like it's hurting you, but it's actually helping you. You're just working something out that hasn't been worked out in a while. And when you go through a difficult season, when you go through a difficult trial, I want you to know God did not bring you into that difficult trial to destroy you. He brings us through difficult trials to develop a faith muscle in us to believe for something better in the future. 
So then when you get through it, you're on the other side of it. Your faith is strong. You worked it out. Now you're able to help other people whose faith are weak. And you can go, hey, look what God did in me. I'm strong in that area now. I went through it. It's painful, but you can too. I remember the first time I gave financially to a church. I was 16 years old. They had 5.15 an hour at McDonald's. And I'll never forget it. And I remember giving that first little, little, you know, giving that cash and putting it in the little envelope. We used to pass the buckets. Come on, I remember those days. You just pass the bucket. And I remember being in that big auditorium, like 2,000 people in that auditorium. And I remember watching that bucket continue to go throughout that entire auditorium, going, I could stop it if I needed to. I can still watch it. It was painful to give that money. But, but what happens? The next time it came easier. Why? Because I'm exercising my faith. Exercising my faith. Now, now it's such a joy to do it, because that's a muscle that's used in my life over and over again. When you're going through a difficult season, you have to make a choice to exercise your faith. It's a muscle to say, I'm not going to go with how I feel. I'm not even going to go with all the facts. Not going to ignore the facts, but I'm going to ignore the fact that the facts have the final authority. All right, let me show it to you. We're, we're, we're literally almost done. Romans chapter four, against all hope. It seemed like it was all lost. Abraham, in hope, what did he do? He believed. He had faith. Can I encourage some people in here today? Against all hope, against the bad doctor's report, against what's going on with your kids, have faith in God. Believe God. And so he became the father of many nations. Now, why is that a big deal? Because God came to him and said, you're going to have a child. And he's probably wanted to respond with, hey, that sounds really cool. Um, that's a cool promise to give a 22-year-old. I'm 100. And I don't know if you know biology, but we're not in that agent stage in life right now. But despite what was going on, he believed God. And look what it says. And so shall your offering be, offering be without weakening his faith. And isn't it interesting, you can see people go through tragedy and one of them can strengthen their faith and one can weaken their faith in the same tragedy. Because it depends on how you respond to it. He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. So he, he faced the facts, which by the way, I'm not, we're not gonna sit there and go, there's no hurricane coming. There is a hurricane coming. But with that, we're gonna face the facts and then we're gonna believe God since he was 100 years old. And Sarah's womb was also dead. He was like, it's not just me, God. She ain't like doing too well either. Takes two to tango with this deal. And yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. This is a life following Jesus that no matter what comes my way, he has given me a grace, he has given me a power to go through it. So write down your notes this way, faith is either exercised or eliminated in your life. So either exercise it and say, I'm gonna keep trusting God, I'm gonna keep believing God, I'm gonna keep claiming the promises of God, or it's gonna be eliminated in your life. So you gotta trust one of them. Go to one of those two. I wrote it down this way, every time you choose to trust God, especially in difficult circumstances, you strengthen your faith. So some of y'all, you're in the middle of the valley right now where it's difficult and you choose to trust God, you're strengthening your faith. Let me give one last little one-liner and I'll close this thing out. Because trusting God does not eliminate your problems. 
You think, okay, I can eliminate all my problems. It's not a big deal. No, no, no. Trusting God doesn't eliminate your problems. What it does is trusting God is a choice to believe that God will use my problems for a greater purpose. And I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what trial you're in right now. But I know that God has not brought you this far to fail you. Abraham, get your faith up and strengthen your faith today to believe God that if he brought you to it, he'll bring you through it and you're gonna be stronger on the other side. Exercise that faith. Can we give him some praise today, church? Amen. Let me pray for you right there in your seat. Nobody moving around. You're in here today and you're going, Aaron, I'm struggling in my faith. I'm struggling to believe God. I'm dealing with a circumstance that I need. I need a fresh deposit of faith right now. If that's you right now, lift a hand up to heaven all over this room. All over this room. I see hundreds of hands raised right now. God, you see the hands of your children. Lord, even them responding in that way is an act of faith to say, God, we trust you. Help us to trust you more. Lord, we pray the prayer that, Father, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. Lord, we pray that we trust you. Trust you for miracles in our body, breakthrough in our finances, freedom in our mind. We trust you despite the circumstance. Lord, and if, like Abraham, if we don't see the fruit now, we know we'll see it in eternity one day. We thank you for a life that you've called us to live. Just ask him right there. Say, God, help me live by faith. One last group. You can put your hands down. So the last group is those who don't have a relationship with God. Right now is your moment of faith. You say, Aaron, I don't have that relationship with God, but I want one. And if that's you today, be bold. Right there in your seat, throw a hand up to heaven right now. You say, Aaron, that's me. I, I want to start that relationship with God today. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you at all of our campuses. Come on, throw that hand up. Wave it at me. Right over there. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Why don't we do this? Why don't we all pray this prayer out loud together as a moment, as a declaration of faith, saying, I'm putting my trust in God. Say, dear Jesus, I'm going to say it loud. Dear Jesus, today... I make a decision to follow you. I want to live by faith. Forgive my past, my present, and my future. Thank you for dying for me. I make a decision to live for you for the rest of my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that believes it says, come on, let's celebrate those who just made the best decision ever. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.